This is Intertractional, an exploration of Star Trek through an intersectional feminist lens. Star Trek is both a reflection of our society and an aspiration for our future. The stories it tells shape our world. Intersectionality explores intersecting forms of oppression and how they affect individuals with compound identities. Star Trek is for feminists. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Becca. Hi, Intertrekkies. Uh, welcome back to Intertractional Season 3, Picard. We watched an episode, episode number two of Star Trek Picard, which is called Maps and Legends. It were is, there maps and legends in I don't, this episode? I don't feel like there were either. What are they talking about? I don't know. Literally... I mean, they might have been talking about what I've been spending the last week thinking about, which is, where is Chateau Picard? In uh, TNG, it was implied that he was in Bordeaux. But now, based on the labels of the wine that's that is used as props, it's more likely that he is in Burgundy. He is in a village called La Bar, which is not a real place. I had always assumed that they were in the Loire because it is the one wine-making place in France that I've been to, and I wanted to think I'd been there, but that is not where they are. And all of the scenes that are, have ever been filmed at Chateau Picard have been filmed at various vineyards in California. So I don't know if any of you care about this as much as I do. I really like wine. Where do you think Chateau Picard is? How do we get our hands on that 86? Yes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. What do you want to say about the show? Um... I don't have a lot to say about that. I have shout outs. Oh, <laughs> we have shout outs. You do. Um, so first of all, I want to shout out my friend Anna, who donated to us on PayPal. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank um, you, Anna. And uh, this is a reminder that you can also donate to us at paypal.me slash Federation and Vampire. Yeah. And that's really great if you want to send us money one time without remembering to cancel for ne- before next month. Yes. Or you can become a member of our pod fan, uh, which is pod.fan slash intertractional. And we have two members now who are subscribed to our member feed. They are getting the content that you all want. So you should go and subscribe too. We have the content you're looking for. We also have the droids you're looking for. Thank you to Brian and John. Um, it means a lot to us. We are so excited. Uh, let us know what you think of the episode. Just like literally write us an email. Be like, hi, I'm Brian. This is what I thought of your episode. Make mm-hmm. it better for me. You deserve that. I will make it better for you. I also I also wanted to shout out uh, John, who is John Good, who I went to college with. And uh, he has a artisanal chocolate business called John Good Chocolates. And you can find it at johngoodchocolates.com. And uh, check that out. Uh, Now I want chocolate. Subscribe to our pod fan and I will shout out your business. (laughs) (laughs) We are not above cross promotion. We love our friends and we want to tell the world about what you're doing. Yes. As a very awkward segue. I so last night I went to see a documentary film called Woman in Motion about Nichelle Nichols and her partnership with NASA that resulted in a significant and historic increase 
in the number of women and minorities who were applied who applied and got accepted to the like astronaut program and also to work in other parts of NASA. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I really wanted to go, but I was very afflicted by my um, introversion last night. So I skipped out. What is it called again? It's called Woman in Motion. It was like a pre-release screening of the film, which has not yet found a distributor. Mm. Uh, So I think it's going to be a number of months at least before it's available to the public. But maybe it's coming to your city or maybe you can ask people to distribute it. Yeah, totally. If you're a person who like buys films for some reason, I highly, highly <laughs> recommend this. Also, if you're a person who buys film and you're listening to our podcast, um, please tell us. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> hey, nevertheless, it is a really, really moving retelling of a thing that we've referenced on this podcast a number of times about how Nichelle Nichols used her reputation as Lieutenant Uhura to speak to people who really did not believe and had no reason to have faith in NASA when they said that they wanted to recruit more minorities and women. And she put her reputation on the line and said, I will help you make this happen as long as you are really real about it. And that if you betray my trust, then I'm going to take you to Congress, motherfuckers, basically. (laughs) She's so badass. Oh, man. Yeah, she just like takes nothing from anybody. So yeah, I feel like... But what happened while you were there? So while I was there, so after the show, we were like, and uh, thanks to Elliot and Karen for coming out to this with me, you guys rock. We were like mingling with other people who were there and I was telling people about Intertractional because, uh-huh. uh, you know, got to do, do shameless self-promotion. Yeah. And, and you had our stickers with you, which yes. have our logo on them. Yes. So you clearly weren't making this up. No, I'm in the middle of a conversation t- explaining to this other person who I encountered that I literally have a podcast about Star Trek. And he goes, oh, are, are you a fan? And I'm like, bitch, I'm here wearing my communicator badge in this jacket that you don't know, but I know that I purchased because it looks like Dr. Beverly Crusher's lab coat. And he's sitting there telling me like, oh, well, I've always been more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. And then he comes at me with this fucking question. And I know, I know it was innocuous. Probably, but it's one of these like subtle gatekeeping items where me as a like, not to toot my own horn, attractive woman who (laughs) like has a modicum of style is like, I can't, I can't also be a Star Trek fan. That's so, because like also like why else would you be there? I think there were people who were there because they love film festivals oh because so this was the opening film of the san francisco indie fest a lot of people just like pieced out but we were the ones who stuck around because after the film finished screening they had a little bit of a break and then they had a sci-fi themed burlesque show oh my god (laughs) Oh, my God. You should just shout out the burlesque performers, and then we can tweet at them and then get them to listen to our oh podcast, my God. too. Right? So the troupe that was there is called the Hubba Hubba Review. They regularly perform at DNA Lounge in San Francisco. They do have a sci-fi-themed burlesque show coming up, I believe they said in March. But they – so the like the first half of their sci-fi striptease was all Star Trek striptease. 
There was a Commander Riker. Yeah. There was a Commander Riker, a drag king Commander Riker of this like beautiful, tall woman in like a wig and like a stick on beard. And she did an amazing performance of Riker being confused about chairs while stripping. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And I got a little 30 second video, which we'll share on on our social. Um, And then in the second half of this burlesque show, they did non Star Trek things. And like, so one of them uh, strip teased as Venom and another one strip teased as um, the girl from total recall with three boobs oh my god also i have a picture of this and she frankie fucking fictitious i don't know who of you all follow burlesque but frankie fictitious like just won a very prestigious burlesque award she's fucking bomb i follow her on instagram i love her also she and dark garden corsetry which i'm also obsessed with in san francisco like she buys a lot of their corsets and then bedazzles them and then they post about her on their thing they're like she this anyway she's fucking amazing yeah also one of the people who was in this burlesque show is named Jet Noir, or that's his stage name anyway. Uh, and he strip teased as Jordy, which was fantastic. And I have to brag a little bit. I have made out with him at a sex party. Oh, my God. I was there. I was there at this thing, and I was like, "This is my fucking life. I love it." (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, Related. Somebody also really doubted my fandom this week. Boo! I was uh, working on our website at a coffee shop, and a dude next to me decides to try to flirt with me. Uh, he was like, oh, what are you What are you working on? Like, are you in tech? It looks like you're a graphic designer. Because, like, I don't know, there was a, a picture on my screen. <laughs> and... And I was like, oh, no, I'm working on my Star Trek podcast. And he was like, oh, you're that kind of girl? You don't look like that kind of girl. What does that mean? What is that kind of girl? What, what is, does that How mean? do you even look? I don't feel and like I there's guess- this, like, expectation that you can't be a fan of Star Trek and, like, attractive or something. It's really weird. I don't know. I feel like I'm looking, like really dykey lately so i don't know if that's what it was (laughs) i don't know i mean because i feel like being surprised that someone likes science fiction and being pleased about it is fine right but i feel like there's nothing else where i would i hear people say that kind of girl like if you're like oh i like basketball and they go oh i didn't know you were that kind of girl what does that mean also i'm 35 what kind of girl am i sorry rant um Although I'm not complaining about people thinking that I'm not 35. (laughs) But even if I were 25, I would not be a girl. It's like if your interior life doesn't fit into whatever it is that they have ascribed to you, then you're like a weird like anomaly and uh, whatever. Uh, Yeah. So men, I know that uh, if you're listening to this, you're one of the good ones. And I know there are quite a few of you listening to this based on um, my friends and people who I see like this on social. So... Don't say that shit to women. Yeah. Don't call them girls. Don't say, I didn't know you were that. Say something like, I really like science fiction too. I'm surprised that we have that in common. Or um, just I don't think, be like, surprised. Be like, I oh, mean, that's awesome that we have that in common. I am often surprised when other people like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I do that a little bit too because I meet a lot of people through the yoga world as an aspiring yoga teacher. And I often like 
assume that people aren't going to want to know what my podcast is. Mm. And then sometimes they surprise me by being, but I, that's more, I think about me not thinking there's a big intersection between Star Trek and yoga, mm. but it is often women I'm having these conversations with, but I'm never like, oh, you're the kind of girl who likes sci-fi. I'm just like, I didn't know we had that. Yeah. I No, there's some weird stereotype in there that I can't really parse. Nevertheless, we've both experienced it in the past week. So yes. it's a real thing. All right. Continuing on to Star Trek. So the episode begins back 14 years when Utopia Planitia was attacked by the synths. But it starts out like, a, you know, a happy morning at the factory, except for some people are grumpy because they're working on a holiday. First contact day. Mm-hmm. And they're working. And it made me think about all of the holidays, including Labor Day, when everyone goes to the mall to buy things or like goes to restaurants to have brunch and not everyone actually has the day off. And probably the people who like need the day off the most, working class people, people working in retail, the day is actually harder and shittier for them. Sometimes you get time and a half. This seemed to me like something, again, I feel like this series is trying to center itself in a world way closer to ours. So mm. I liked this kind of call out, maybe not overtly f uh, feminist issue, but an issue of classism and something we care about. And it reminded me a little bit of Martin Luther King Day, which has just passed when I was working uh, in corporate jobs. It was a topic of conversation whether or not that should actually be a company holiday and generally where the companies that I worked for landed was that it shouldn't be a company holiday because it was too close to New Year's. What? Yeah. It's problematic God. for a lot of reasons. For This is why I don't have a job. Job sounds like bullshit. Also at that job, at the request of one of the employees who was a person of color, I wanted to share uh, Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail with the organization to actually get some more nuanced understanding of his beliefs, which is a thing that a lot of people on Martin Luther King Day absolutely miss. Yes. And one of the executives said, oh, no, I don't think we should do that. That's like controversial or something. What? And it's like, this is literally his fucking day. If we can't even read the words that he wrote, what is the point? Why do we venerate this person if we're not actually going to listen to what he said? Anyway, that is a wild ass tangent yeah so star trek <laughs> back to star trek good morning plastic people good morning mr pinkus let's go to work plastic people are kept in a locker or like a storage unit yeah oh i'm so glad you explained that because i kind of thought they were all on an elevator packed really tightly so <laughs> okay, yeah that mm -hmm. makes more sense. There's this like human crew of four or five people and then this one synthetic who's called F8. Mm -hmm. And F8 is like interacting with them and doesn't get a joke. And then the, everybody like breaks for lunch and his eyes go weird. And then he does some hacky sabotage and kills everybody, including yeah. himself. 
I, I mean, I had several thoughts. Like, one, it seemed kind of like he was trying to get the jokes, or at least like he was trying to pretend like he got them, and then they were explicitly like, do you understand? And he was like, no. And it was the, the same shit that robots have a hard time with now, or bots have a hard time with now, like natural language, puns, um, things we saw data struggle with. The, this whole world that we see before he kind of goes crazy and starts to kill everybody where the robots are doing the dirty work reminded me of Guinan's speech from our last episode of uh, people who will do the grunt work and we don't have to care about their feelings. And specifically, someone tries to be like, don't talk bad about him. He can hear you. And someone else is like, and you can't offend them. They're not people. <laughs> we have no idea whether this is true or not. I've been reading stuff about how you should teach children to be polite to Siri and Alexa. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably important. I, yeah. I'm not sure why, but I have a vague feeling that uh, you should just not be a dick. I think it's kind of a mind training or like an empathy training exercise where even if it were true that he can't feel anything and he doesn't have memory of being insulted or harmed or whatever it is, or it doesn't understand that that's what's going on. If you are the person doing that insult or causing that verbal harm, that becomes a like pattern of mind for yourself yeah. that you can direct at somebody who looks to you like a person. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes easier to apply that to anybody who are people. Yeah. So, sorry to spend so much time on this first scene, but it was one of the things that struck me as being really relevant to our mission here at uh, Intertractional. Oh, for of, like, sure. Talking about the big issues. And I was like, all the big issues are in this one scene. Totally. Then he's hacked, right? And he, yeah. he kills everybody. And I wanted to talk about the time that Data was hacked. There is an episode called Brothers, The Next Generation season four episode three which features brent spiner playing three characters it's very fun and uh all of a sudden it's like in the within the first two scenes data just like takes over the ship he cuts off life support he takes the ship way off course to go find Noonien Soong, which in fact endangers the life of a character who's very sick and then snaps out of it and is like, how did I get here? What am I doing here? And like Brent Spiner as Dr. Soong is like, oh, I activated your homing device and he will do whatever is necessary to get there. And it's extremely dangerous. And then after they retrieve him, they just act like this never happened. There's no like, is data dangerous to have on the ship? Like you wonder if Picard even filed a report? Because like, <laughs> you'd think someone else would have flagged this as being an issue. And it was very reminiscent of that. When all of a sudden, F8, he like cocks his head funny and he starts doing a ton of things with his hands and is like a different person. I do think that when Data is unique or thought to be unique, his misbehavior or behavior that endangers the lives of others is... It's like if somebody else were to mess up who is a human. It's like if somebody had been mind controlled to right. to take over the ship by some alien with the mind control power. It's kind of right, like... Right, which they all have been at some point. Right. I can't think of a single character that was like never <laughs> was never mind controlled. Yeah. In that sense, it tracks logically that they didn't at that point outlaw that's really, synthetics. That's a really good counterpoint because we're living in a universe where everyone can be hacked. Right. <laughs> the, but like, it's 
the scale at which it happens and the and the actions of this whole group of synthetics and how powerful how, how strong they all are right because they all it's like if you're an android you also have like super strength of course because you wouldn't be creating a synthetic uh human being that was just like regularly powered why we can grow those ourselves in our wombs like dumb (laughs) (laughs) what an amazing goal this has been we watched tng for you with becca and ryan (laughs) so in scene two we jump back to present time we are back at chateau picard it's like a very fun double scene. They're quickly going back and forth between Picard talking to his Romulan spy family uh, at his uh, winemaking palace and what's her name? Dodge's apartment, mm-hmm. which has apparently been scrubbed by Romulan magic technology. Yeah. So we learn a number of things. We learn that Picard's housemates were both members of the Tal Shiar. They have secret spy Tal Shiar abilities. The Tal Shiar are like the... the, They're like the secret service or not the the secret service. They're like the CIA basically of the... MI5? MI6? (laughs) And apparently the CIA has... The CIA of the CIA. (laughs) Like, they have a secret, secret service. Right. They have a secret, secret, secret service. Oh, because, like, everything done in Romulan culture is very secretive to begin with. And then you have the layer of the Tal Shiar on top of it, which are, like, invisible hands that control everything. They're like the Cardassians with, like, less investment in makeup artists. (laughs) Right. That's what I understand the Romulan culture to be. One of the things that I keep noticing is like most of the male Romulans have pretty, pretty discernible brow augmentation that looks like they have dents in their forehead. And it makes it a little bit easier to identify them as Romulans. But most of the female Romulans are like basically have none of that makeup on. And I'm like, is this because there's some like sex difference that they're trying to tell us about but then there's a Romulan that's on that's like way later in the episode that's doing an autopsy and she's got all kinds of forehead ridges and it's so like did they yeah. just decide who got to sit in a chair for longer with I, the makeup artist I have an out of universe theory all of the Romulans in TNG had that really prominent forehead ridge and none they didn't in the original series, and I feel like they're trying to avoid what happened with the fans and with the backlash over the Klingon makeup, Mm. being like, you redesigned the Romulans again. And so by making this something that is a feature that there's a range of throughout their their species, they are able to have characters who don't have the forehead ridge without everyone being like, you changed the Romulans again. So that's my theory. That's my out-of-universe theory. Okay. I like that theory. Some of them I don't happened, know. My th- my don't. theory was more was more based in sexism where they like don't want to ugly up the lady folk. Oh, I 100% think that's also going on. What I noticed about this scene was that she was saying a lot of techno babble. Mm-hmm. And she was selling it really well. And I yes. was like, "Good on you. I can see why you got this part, Irish actress." What I liked that we found out was that uh, the man Romulan's parents recruited and trained the female Romulan. 
Oh. Yeah. She was like, the person who trained me, and he's like, my mother. And the person who disagreed with him, my father. Like, he's just in the background, like, muttering to himself. <laughs> and so it's like... Wow, I didn't get I can imagine this whole history around the two. I want to know more about, like, how they, like, fell in love in the Romulan Secret Service and, like, we're all a big family unit together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> bring bring on that uh, spinoff. I'm totally down. Okay, so in this scene, Picard learns a thing that we already know, which is that Soji, Daja's sister, is off planet. She's not on Earth. And so he's, like, narrowed his search in that he's narrowed his search from earth and the rest of the universe to just the rest of the universe which is still a fucking lot of place to look it seems really dumb but it gets it gets us to our next plot point and like what i assume is going to be the mission of the next few episodes which is he knows he needs a ship now Mm -hmm. and he all it also gets him to like screenwriters being like how are we going to get him to talk to starfleet again and tell them what's going on like why would he possibly go back to these people oh because he needs a ship but he's like oh if they just reinstate me they'll give me a ship yeah all right so the next scene we we revisit soji she and her uh sketchy ass paramour are in bed we learned that her date with the lounge lizard went well yes yep they hooked up (laughs) she also calls him a lounge lizard it's great i don't know what that means but that's his name now They have some, like, weird pillow talk that they both engage in as if it's sexy, but it's really kind of like he's, like, telling her that he might murder her if she says the wrong thing. It's really weird. She's like, what if I was a spy? And he's like, what if I was a spy? And I'm like, you're both spies. (laughs) Do they know that? Are they pretending? Is this their Uh, kink? I I hope so. I have no idea. <laughs> I also really like this scene because he like you think that they're gonna hook up again and he like throws her down and she's like no and then she throws him down and overpowers him and gets on top and I was like girl is strong mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're quickly interrupted because his cell phone rings okay yeah they have to get up and go whatever it is to their maybe it's work to their job they, they, were, they, they need they to get out of bed they were gonna fuck again and then they are not now they're like having a conversation while they're getting dressed and. The conversation is essentially like, do you want to tell me anything about yourself? No. Great. (laughs) And I'm sitting there being like, run, girl, run. If you are literally in bed with a person who has explicitly told you that they are not going to tell you anything about themselves, this is not a person to be dating. He's such a dick. Like... Especially, it's like, it's such a bait and switch, too, because, like, they hooked up because he was like, let me go tell you about my sad family and how my brother died. And so she's like, oh, you have feelings, you're open. And now he's back to, like, nope. And she's like, is your name even Narek? And he's like, maybe. And it's like, okay, so we know his name is Narek. He's a dick. He's a lounge lizard. (laughs) Whatever that means, he's looking real scruffy. Um, They seem to be both doctors of something, and they're going to be doing other things on the Borg cube later. And she's like, what are you doing? And he won't tell her that either. Um, The only other thing I liked about this scene is that we get her, like, waxing poetic about how she likes the Borg cube because it's, like, damaged and imperfect. Mm. And he's like, why would you think that's beautiful? And she's like, because I'm an interesting person. Yeah. And so I I really like her so far. I liked liked that a lot, the, like, conversation about the beauty that exists in imperfection. Yeah. What Um, do we learn next? Then what happens? Yeah. So next week, we're back at Chateau Picard. 
And uh, Picard is getting a house call from his doctor. Who is a very recognizable actor whose name I forgot to look up. Yeah, I didn't. His name is like David Pressman or Preyman or something. I looked it up. He, the name is not familiar, but he's he is a recognizable person because he is a very prolific character actor. Uh, he's been in a lot of shit. Yeah. And so he and Picard have this conversation that makes you think that maybe you saw him sometime in the past in Star Trek itself. That's not true. He's never been in Star Trek before. But apparently their backstory is that they served on the Stargazer together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, his, uh, he's his doctor. Um, they, they've got some old banter. And uh, he's like, Jean-Luc, you might have like a degenerative disease. Picard is in very excellent physical health, except he has a parietal lobe abnormality, which means that he has some kind of brain something or other, and they talk around but not directly at what that could possibly mean. And they never say the words, like, it's terminal, but it's, like, implied by their serious faces that he's probably going to die from this. It also gives us sort of excuses around anything that, um, Picard might do that's out of character for him in this series from now on because he's like there might be some behavior shit like uh, maybe you have bad dreams maybe you're moody maybe you yell at people on national television <laughs> <laughs> the, the scene didn't talk at all about how Picard has a mechanical heart oh my god I forgot it. yeah Anyway, so that, so that happened. It was a conversation between two old white men. Uh, the point of this ep- of this scene, though, is again he <laughs> wants to leave the planet, and apparently you need a doctor's note to do so. Yes, you need or, a doctor's note to like be reinstated in Starfleet. I think is yeah. Picard's understanding. So he's like, "Will he falsify this and leave that out?" And he's like, "Okay, fine." So then we go to HQ. Oh back yeah, back in San Francisco. But okay, so this is a pet peeve of mine. We can maybe cut this out, but I just I periodically go on this rant to people starfleet is not in san francisco it's in marin county like every time there's an establishing shot it's of the other side of the golden gate bridge there is like one shot from i think voyager that puts it on the other side but like all maybe it's from enterprise i can link you to this blog i did a deep dive on this once it's kind of like people in LA don't actually know where San Francisco is. They're just yes. like, it's there. The Golden Gate Bridge is there. That's San Francisco. Yes. And so he checks in at like Starfleet HQ reception yes. and meets an ensign who does not know who he is. Picard's face is like, you know who I am, right? Like, I don't have to give you my name. And this guy who's young and very cute and played by a, a person of color. His name is Harrison Grant. He's given no character name other than ensign oh yeah ensign doesn't know who he is but recognizes his name though does he yeah he's like picard spelled this way jean-luc and he's like oh good to see you up and about admiral like Ah. at that point he's like okay wait Okay, I so get, he knows who like Picard he saw is, but he just doesn't even know his like, face. Yeah, he was just like, I mean, maybe he read about him, maybe. presumably, and then was like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Like, there are definitely historical figures where I would recognize their name, but not their face. Okay, I mean, I believe you, but also that's like somebody from two hundred years in the past, not somebody who was famous like a week ago for no, being I'm thinking uh, for about giving pe- like a crazy ranty. I'm thinking about interview. people from like the seventies. <laughs> 
this, I'm not questioning. This I know. guy's clearly not watching the news. <laughs> He's not especially plugged He's in. He's not plugged in. It was, I think we're the, being reminded of Picard's obsolescence. I think that Picard thinks he's more famous than he is. And there's a reason why this ensign is like assigned to front desk duty and like isn't on a ship somewhere. <laughs> he's not that bright. He's not keeping track of like the people who it's important to know. And if you don't know who it's important to know, are you yeah. going to get advanced in your career? He doesn't have a name anyway. Picard meets with Admiral Kristen Clancy, who yeah. he calls, he just calls Kristen. He just calls her Kristen. So I'm hoping that this is because they've dealt with each other a lot in the past. I was thinking of her as Admiral Grumpy Face Bossy Bitch. <laughs> she's not a fan. No, she's like, this isn't your house anymore. Go home. She goes on a really epic rant at him, which I would love if I weren't on his side. Sheer fucking hubris. You think you could just waltz back in here and be entrusted with taking men and women into space? Don't you think I was watching the hollow the other day along with everyone else in the galaxy? Should not have spoken in public. The Romulans were our enemies. And we tried to help them for as long as we could. And I like felt part of you being like, yes, girl. And then I was like, wait, no. <laughs> I like how she was in that scene in that she's not just fangirling out at this very famous person who has a holiday named after them and she's just like i don't care you should go back to drinking and making your wine let the running of starfleet be done by people who didn't already leave starfleet he is acting as though he hasn't burned all of his bridges Mm -hmm. um i was struck by how she literally took nothing he said seriously like zero parts of it like she thought it was all a fever dream she takes like zero. He, she's like, there's no synthetic people. There are no Romulan spies. Like, she just thinks he's crazy. In that scene, I think we learned something interesting. But even before the synthetics attacked Mars, 14 species within the Federation said, cut the Romulans loose or we'll pull out. It was a choice between allowing the Federation to implode or letting the Romulans go. The Federation does not get to decide if a species lives or dies. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. They're not talking about letting the Romulans into the Federation or preserving the Romulan government. They're talking about, like, saving the lives of refugees. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You, who are we to decide whether or not a whole species ceases to exist? And she's like, that's exactly who we are. We are the people who decides whether or not a whole species should cease to exist. And apparently right. this is the kind of shit we vote on in the Federation now. Which is like... In fascinating, like, reversal from what I consider to be Starfleet values yeah. of, like, upholding and fostering life in the universe. It seems like a real departure, but one that I can I can kind of see how it would be done incrementally in a way that felt like people were continuing to be true to the professed values while actually ending up being on a completely different side i mean this is this is something that's a risk in democracy right that the the tyranny of the majority against the minority that like you can all vote on something and the thing you vote on can be really against the interests of a minority of the society and i mean these are people even outside of the society i mean it's very much mirroring what's going on in america right now refugees oh yeah i mean throughout the world from both from europe and from Central and South America. Yeah. This leads me back to my my thesis about this show, which is that it's going to be Jean-Luc Picard arguing for Federation values to the Federation and to the 
worldwide viewing audience Mm -hmm. who might have in the past viewed Federation values as not relevant to our current situation because it's taking place in a future and we don't know how we got there. And so that's not about us. That's about those people. Mm -hmm. And the show is not going to let you have that kind of um, cognitive dissonance. I agree. No, I think you're right. So uh, what happens after he leaves Admiral Grumpy Face? We meet a new character in this scene. <gasps> oh, we meet yeah. a woman of color who is apparently a trill, played by Chelsea Harris, Doctor Nashala. I am now shipping this android trill relationship. <laughs> this is what I want to happen in the show. I mean, she did help her literally get dressed. So she's like, oh, have you never gotten dressed before? Let me help you. Queer baiting, 100%. I was there. And then they immediately dash my hopes because they both comment on how hot like Dr. Fuckboy is. <laughs> Dr. Fuckboy is so good. Dr. Fuckboy, aka Lounge Lizard. Oh my AKA god. AKA the greasiest Romulan. <laughs> yeah, he's like making eyes with her across the room and she's like, I didn't know a Romulan could be hot. And she's like, Yeah, me either, but isn't like we're already fucking. But we fucked like- this morning. <laughs> ha 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 ha. <laughs> I kind of hate him. Maybe they're all gonna hook up. maybe it'll be a love triangle (laughs) oh my god three ways okay back on earth again we sit down in picard's living room with dr agnes gerardi who also drinks earl gray tea Mm -hmm. like becca and i are drinking right now yes (laughs) we are drinking earl gray all the time forever and dr agnes also likes earl gray and that's how picard knows that she's cool But before she asks for the tea, she has, like, picked up a book that's the complete collection of Isaac Asimov's robot saga, and which she then puts, like, back down on a desk. But later he says, like, oh, you're into the classics, but I could never get into sci-fi. It's like, did you have this book in your house just because you wanted to see who else would pick it up? (laughs) Like, why? It felt like a weird like Easter egg for the audience. Like the writers are like, we're doing a research, guys, if you want to go read this. Isaac Asimov's sure. canonical robots. I hope they don't bring up those three rules of robotics. They're so stupid. Oh my God, it's definitely going to happen. <sighs> She's officially my favorite character now. She says words like secret planny and <laughs> feels like she dropped out of a Joss Whedon screenplay. Really, for real. And, uh, and, I, and I love her now. They talk about how Dodge is about three years old. All of her credentials are totally invented, but on the surface seem very reliable. But the thing that got to me in this scene, which is absurd, uh, is that Captain Picard is making tea from tea bags <laughs> and i'm like no <laughs> he's enough of a snob that if he's not getting his tea out of a replicator he's gonna be using loose leaf oh my god <laughs> god damn it <laughs> oh my, i did not think that that's where that was going <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's hard for his little arthritic hands <laughs> also where his dog in this episode right there was a dog in every preview mm-hmm. i was promised puppies yeah yeah she also spelled out the questions which you were alluding to where is she what is she after have the rot- romulans gotten to her and i wrote down oh they are getting to her they're giving it to her <laughs> oh, they, they don't they don't know how gotten she is by the romulans 
Then we're back to the Borg cube. Then we're back to the Borg cube. Let's take a break before we get there, and uh, then we'll go back to the Borg cube. I'm helping NASA recruit the first women and minority astronauts for the space shuttle program. And they go, ha, ha, ha. I said, no, it's not funny. It's true. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are back on the Borg cube. Yeah. We're, we are in the gray zone doing this Borg autopsy slash reclaiming of parts. They, they pull an ocular implant off of a, a corpse. corpse's face. Yeah. It's really gross. Real gross and juicy bloody. They made a squishy noise. Yeah. They wear almost see-through red jumpsuits and almost see-through black face masks which are weirdly sexy for being in an autopsy room. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) The important thing that we learn is that Soji is the person in the room with empathy. Initiating ocular harvest procedure on Nameless. You know, I hate it when you use that term. Also, uh, Dr. Fuckboy has inserted himself into this autopsy Pun intended. Um, <laughs> and oh he doesn't God. need he doesn't need to get the clearance that he would normally need to get because he's secretly like in charge or something. The only thing I want from this series now is for this character to get their comeuppance. Like, oh, for sure. This is this is all I want. I think he's on the trajectory of is redeemed through the love of a woman. He has to get smacked down before he's redeemed. I mean, oh my God, I, I hope so. So the next scene, Picard is in his fireside office. He brings out a Voyager-style comm badge and asks it for a ship. It's very, like, dramatically played. He's like, here is my most prized memento, and it's the communicator badge. It's for not whatever even reason, the right he- communicator badge, but okay. Uh, it's pre- I'm sure it's the one that he had most recently like before he movies? retired. Oh, yeah, he does have it in the movies. Okay. Yes. And then he walks outside to make a phone call and, like, look <laughs> at the stars. Uh-huh. I think he's calling his friend Rafi slash person who wants to shoot him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they shot this scene to be confusing and ambiguous, but it is. It's very wistful. Yeah. Like, screenplay 101, you drive the plot forward by making the audience ask questions. But I don't like when the question in my mind is just what is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, it needs to be more interesting than that. Come on, you guys. I agree. Then we get Admiral Clancy talking to Commodore Romulan spy about what a, like, arrogant dick Picard was when he came to visit her. Yeah. Um, But also just, like, giving her a ton of information. Like, he's worried about the Romulans. He's worried about androids. He's clearly off his rocker. Can you believe this guy? And uh, Admiral Romulan spy is like, I cannot believe him. I hate him, too. Thank you for telling me. So the Commodore, her her character's name is Commodore O. Mm-hmm. And the actress who plays her is Tamlin Tamita, mm-hmm. who was born in Japan to Japanese and Filipino parents. Mm. And she is... Almost certainly a Romulan, despite the fact that her makeup makes her look equally like she could be a Vulcan. Yes. And I feel like this is a complaint we're just going to have over and over again with this show of like everybody who looks like a Vulcan is probably a Romulan. But like, when are the Vulcans going to show up? 
what the fuck? Yes. They're integral parts of the Federation and Starfleet. And like, how do you tell a how do you tell a Star Trek story without Vulcans? Come on. <sighs> uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, I am with you on this. I don't <laughs> really have anything to add. You're right. Yeah. Um, but we we do confirm, I think, not in this scene, but in a later scene that she is definitely Romulan or at least working for the Romulans or a Romulan spy. So Probably all three. But I'm like, do does Starfleet know that? She seems like a high level operative who has gotten to a position within Starfleet where she can shut down any investigation into Romulan espionage happening on Earth because she's in charge of making sure that Romulan espionage doesn't happen on Earth. <laughs> I kind of love it. Yeah. The next thing that happens is Laris is like, Picard, you're too old. This mission is dumb. You can't go anywhere. I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. Here are all the reasons why you shouldn't go do this. And uh, her husband is like, yeah, you can't go do any of this unless you bring me with you. And Javon is like, why don't you just like ask Riker and Worf and LaForge to join you? Uh, They definitely would. You know that they jump whenever you say how high. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I can't do that to them. I know that they would. But I already tragically lost data that one time. And if any of these other people die, I will be forever devastated. Yeah, he's like being too precious about his friends. And And also about his grapes. You have to stay here with her. The grapes are far more in mood of protection than I am. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, you are wrong. (laughs) You literally were like under attack yesterday by Romulans in face masks. Oh, maybe. Would have killed you if you'd just been slightly closer to that gun that exploded. Your grapes are going to be fine. Oh, so she starts mocking him and she's like, oh, if it's important to Jean-Luc Picard, it must be important to the whole galaxy. That is the premise of this whole show. Yeah, for real. The premise of every movie that was like, we are all on board with that. Yes, he's always, almost, almost always right. Yeah, he's nearly infallible. And when he does make a mistake, it's like he learns from it. And that and then we as the audience also learn from it. Like saying this somewhat sarcastically is kind of like, well, but actually, you're super sincere about this thing that you believe that you're being sarcastic about. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a <laughs> double backflip like into of, earnestness. It felt like a moment of like real like self-awareness on the part of the screenwriters. They're just like, I mean, do we even need to convince anyone that this is a good idea? Because like quid pro quo, like if he thinks it's a good idea, the whole audience is already on board. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's just say that. Let's I'm going to put it in and see if anyone takes it out. And they didn't. It's all it's all there. <laughs> so then we're back to Commodore O, Commodore Romulan spy, talking to human Romulan spy, which mm-hmm. is this other woman who is definitely Romulan and has had the painless 20-minute no-recovery surgery that people get in Star Trek to, <laughs> yes, having, to, to change species. Having a species change is like getting a haircut. They all learn from Dr. Flox. Dr. Flox, one of the three best things about uh, Enter- Enterprise. Enterprise, yes. yeah. Yeah, so Lieutenant Rizzo is Romulan but looks human, is in charge of the Romulan plot to eradicate the synthetics that look like Dodge slash Soji. 
and basically confirms everything that like Admiral Kristen said. Yes, we are spies. Yes, we are here. Then we are going to stop Picard and you need to do it. And you're already fucking up because we almost got caught when when Dodge was exploded. I don't know if this is a trope on TV tropes, but I noted this trope of like, we know that they're the bad guys because they have a bad co-worker relationship. Yes. <laughs> it's so real. That's so yeah. real. You know that you're evil when you are a bad manager. <laughs> and we're, de- yeah, we're definitely like conditioned to think this. Cruella DeVille is like really shitty to her goons. I mean, I think that it's like, it's trying to communicate something about how people should behave to one another and if you don't want to be perceived as like being evil then you know treat each other with decency and respect she she also has like a really bad idea though like i understand why (laughs) why like commodore spy is mad about this if commodore o were a better manager she would be strongly considering removing this person from her (laughs) job Instead, she just, like, threatens her more. Like, if you fuck this up, like, I'm going to kill you. The thing that I thought about this scene, and I think we both wrote this down independently, Mm -hmm. is does this scene pass the Bechdel test? This scene and the previous scene. Like, both both of her scenes. Where she's talking to other people who are women... Who have names. Who have names. Which is an important part of the test that people often leave out. Like, are there two characters who are women with names who talk to each other about something other than a man? Right. And they don't. So they are talking about Picard the whole time. In a larger sense, they are talking about interstellar politics. Yes. They are, yes. Feels like splitting hairs. Yeah. But the Bechdel test is basic, or I should say... The Bechdel test, you can technically pass the Bechdel test and not pass it in spirit. I think this while this scene, I think, gets to what the spirit of the Bechdel test is trying to convey, that there are women who are interacting with one another, driving the plot forward. Yeah. I do think it does that. Mm-hmm. I think that this episode also it- technically passes the Bechdel test in the scene where um, Soji meets her new troll friend. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. That is my life motto. Thank you very much, Futurama. I think the Bechdel test really is only testing for representation. And Mm -hmm. as long as you know that, then you're not going to get into an area where you're worried about like, oh, is it passing it technically, but not in spirit. Like I had a friend who was like really mad because she's like, that test is stupid because every episode of Sex in the City passes the Bechdel test and it's not a feminist show, which side rant, it is a feminist show. Absolutely. Sex in the City is a feminist show. Whatever. She's not listening to this. <laughs> and and um, but like, that's not the point. The point is just representation. Yeah. I think that the second conversation between Commodore O and Lizzo. Yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant Lieutenant Lizzo, Lieutenant cut her ears off <laughs> spy is closer because they do kind of talk about Soji. They talk about the Soji problem for a bit and how she's going to take care of it and like what's going to happen to her if she doesn't take care of it. And I feel like at this point, even though Picard is the overarching subject, they've kind of left him behind. That's fair. I mean, they leave him behind, but then they very quickly move on to my plan is Dr. Fuckboy. Oh, yeah. She's like, I've got my best man on it. And I'm like, how is that asshole your best man? (laughs) 
I am never going to think of him as anything but Dr. Fuckboy now. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I mean, it's what's happening. It's perfect. It's exactly correct. It's, he is absolutely that. Although Lounge Lizard's pretty good. <laughs> so then we... If you weren't sure that Dr. Fuckboy was her best man, it's really quickly confirmed when they're having a conversation in his quarters. Uh, she's there via hologram. So we're we're back to that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And um, so before so before we get there, though, which is the last scene of the episode, technically, there's a small scene in the oh, middle yeah. where Picard goes to meet. Oh, yeah. His, his frenemy, Rafi, who's like a pig, pigtailed chick, like living in like a FEMA trailer, like <laughs> next to that famous rock. Yeah. Next to that famous rock in Santa Clarita. Kirk famously like has a wrestling match in front of this rock called the Vasquez rocks. Yeah. yeah we should go there. We should go there. We're we in some pictures. pictures. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to help you go away. And he's like, I brought you wine. And she's like, I guess I'll listen as long as it's the 86. Yeah, and he's also like, oh, I was going to tell you about Romulan spies, but okay. And she's like, I hate the Romulan spies. I mean, she doesn't say that, but her body language says that. Teaser for future important character. So I think that this is the person he was trying to hail with his com badge before, but it's still a little bit unclear if that's true. I'm also wondering why, of all places, he had to take a shuttle here, but he gets to a transporter all of the other places on the planet. Maybe the rock is like transporter deadening i mean honest (laughs) and that's why she lives there i mean yeah she does like look this is a person you would call a hermit admiral Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) i mean you're you're right but also like transporter technology has never been very consistent or made a lot of sense like why do they have to go to a transporter room (laughs) sometimes but not always why why can you do you need a room on one end but not on the other end there are a whole bunch of people on the internet who think that the transporter kills you and then clones you every time which i think is really funny i don't think that that's canon but i love that so much (laughs) so then we we conclude the episode back at the borg cube Mm. in dr fuckboy's bedroom slash office his sister shows up as a hologram and tells him that he's fucking it all up oh yeah yeah he's he's like ragging on her human ears and she's all like you're bad at your job and he like gestures towards his bed and he's like i'm good at my job and i'm like that's probably not your job (laughs) (laughs) and which she's like did you learn anything from her and it's like well he learned some things about her but (laughs) He says something along the lines of, like, I have a sound approach, which is code for I got her into bed already. (laughs) Yeah, no, I wrote down um, he likes his approach better because it involves his dick. I'm on top of it. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she uses some really, like, pejorative words. Have you found the nest? Has the machine given up the location of its fellow abominations? Apparently, Romulans fucking hate robots. Right. Picard was like, why? And uh, Picard's housemate, Romulan lady friend, was like, we don't really know. But there must be like something bad happened in Romulan history. They're culturally inculcated to loathe 
anything that resembles synthetic life. That's why this whole series is plotted around trying to save slash murder Soji and her other sisters that maybe exist. Yeah, definitely this one sister. Unconfirmed whether my theory about there being more sisters. I feel like the word nest implies more than just this other girl. It does, yeah. We are headed toward Battlestar Galactica land. And the Romulans are uh, Adama. Also hated (laughs) technology. Oh, true. He was also kind of a dick. I mean, we don't need to go into a whole long analysis of Battlestar Galactica. Maybe we'll save that for a bonus episode. Yes. Our, yeah. our upcoming bonus episode is about The Witcher. Yeah. Uh, we're also thinking of watching The Orville. Mm-hmm. If you have opinions on any of this, let us know. Also, if there's other properties that you are interested in hearing our thoughts about, uh, tell us and we'll do those for Podfan. Someone wanted us to do that movie that you really like about The Replicants. Oh, Blade Runner. Yeah. I love Blade Runner. Is there anything else that you have to say about this episode? I hope the bad guys get more interesting. I hope some of the good guys get more screen time. Commodore O and a Bad Brother. and <laughs> He's three nicknames now. <laughs> I felt least. like they got a lot more space uh-huh. in the episode. And I was like, eh, I don't care. Where's Jerry Ryan? Where's Jerry Ryan? Right. I want. Yeah. Come on, man. Ooh, let's start a hashtag. Hashtag where's Jerry Ryan. Hashtag where's Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Move her up to an earlier episode. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, a, that's I'm, all I got. I'm looking forward to getting off Earth. Not that I don't like yeah. living here, but like, where's our trek? Yeah. Come on. I think you're not alone. I wonder what the ship's going to look like. I want to know what part of France they're in. <laughs> like, if we're going to be on Earth, at least tell me where the fuck you are. I want to know why all of the Romulans are from the British Isles. I just, I want to say, everyone, um, don't go watch Nemesis. <laughs> I watched it. It's not worth it. You don't learn a lot about the Romulans. Tom Hardy does an adequate job for basically having a nervous breakdown during the filming of this. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. I was very enchanted by his whole face. Totally. I was... (laughs) I was... You were totally enchanted by his whole face, whereas I was sitting there watching it being like, why aren't you wearing a Bane mask right now? (laughs) That is the only thing that I liked from that series of Batman films. Was Bane? Was Bane. Oh my god, you didn't I'm like... such a fucking weirdo. I was really into Catwoman. Okay. <laughs> anyway, just, you don't have to watch Nemesis. I it mean, does, like, it does result in Data's death, which uh-huh. is certainly a driver of this series, but we've already told you that he dies at the end, so... Yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Intertractional is a production of Federation and Fempire, written and produced by Ryan Ascalisi and Becca Matola Barnes. Original music by Danny Kavka. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Intertractional. We want to hear from you. Join our Facebook group to discuss this episode with us and with other fans. Email us at intertractional at gmail.com. You can even send us a voice memo. Visit our website at intertractional.com for show notes, images, and citations. Intertractional is available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes. If you like this podcast, help others find it by taking a moment to rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. It really makes a big difference. The Romulans are Kardashians with less makeup.
You just said Kardashians again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, they also wear a lot of makeup, so it tracks. 